Warning. Missing save file. It's Bernsey. I'm Paul. And this is The Missing Save File, a video game podcast where we talk about the games we somehow missed the first time around. And hey, this is, uh, uh, we're talking Psychonauts 2. We didn't really miss this one. We played it right when it came out. <laughs> we're breaking format. We're, we're being self-indulgent because our last episode was about Psychonauts and we both it's, just played Psychonauts 2. It's a fun follow-up. I, yeah. Well, and and we specifically said there were certain things that we were looking for in a sequel, and so it felt like this was a natural <laughs> conversation yeah. to have, right? So uh, it's available on most major platforms at this point. Uh, PlayStation 4, uh, all Xbox platforms is on Xbox Game Pass. So we are going to get into it. It's Psychonauts 2 on the missing save file. To say that Tim Schafer's Psychonauts 2 took a long, strange trip to get here would be a pretty massive understatement. The original Psychonauts was a beloved Xbox classic game, but it barely got made. It bounced from publisher to publisher. One of those publishers was Microsoft Game Studio before they cut the game loose, and it was even money whether or not the game would ever see the light of day in the twilight years of the original Xbox's lifespan. Flash forward 16 years later, crowdfunding ensured that Psychonauts 2 would at least begin development, but in an ironic twist of fate, the studio that passed on publishing the original Psychonauts would swoop in and buy not only Psychonauts 2, but indeed the entire studio and fold them into Microsoft Game Studios. So here we are, almost two decades and several console generations later, will Psychonauts 2 be mostly the high highs of Waterloo World and Lungfishopolis? Or will it be Meat Circus all over again? That's what we're here to talk about in this edition of The Missing Save File. And Paul, uh, we're going to go spoiler free here again, right? In the first part. Uh, we're so we're talk... not going to talk about Meat Circus Part 2. <laughs> we're going to get Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to keep this part of the conversation generally I'm spoiler there isn't free. One of those. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody suddenly Psychonauts fans crying out in horror and then uh, going, no, I can't. So, so we're going to talk generally just like gameplay, overall impressions, you know, things like that. But we're not going to get into specifics of plot details, you know, character developments and anything story related until after the midpoint. And then the gloves come off and we'll go, uh, you know, basically spoiler crazy. But um, just generally, Paul, Psychonauts 2, what, what, do, you, what do you think about it? How do you feel was, now that you're done with it? It was a blast. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you liked it too, right? After yeah, Is this, is this going to be a rare game that we're both just like, this is amazing. Like I, I really, really enjoyed this game really like very much. Yeah. It had a few, just a few sharp edges and then not many. Um, yeah. And again, this, this game went through, I mean, the, the, trials and tribulations it took to make this game um as you outlined it's not even half of like all of it um 
And I think what I was reading as recently as 2020, um, Tim Schafer had said in interviews that like they weren't going to have boss fights. Uh, and, and then like <laughs> Microsoft is able to give them enough money to be like, no, keep the bosses in. Um, but like, that's the razors, razor thin margin they were working on of, uh, of making this game. And, and so having a few sharp edges left after <laughs> that process, um, they didn't, they didn't really have the the time and the effort to, to sand some of those down, I guess. And some of, some of the worst parts for me, I think were some of the boss fights. So, but overall it was a super fun game. Yeah. I, I guess I had kind of like, so double fine as a studio, um, they basically, they were founded in 2000. Psychonauts um, was their first game, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so if you, so, if you go through that as like, you know, they were founded, but yet their first game came out almost five, six years later. Um, you know, that's, that kind of tells you double fine was a studio that sort of came together with, with a lot of passion, but like they've always sort of been that underdog, right. Where mm -hmm. it's like, they're making, they're making games, you know, the independent way. They don't have a ton of capital um, mm -hmm. and, and tons of their games. Like I was watching um, a documentary from no clip where they were talking, like basically it was Tim Schafer just outlining the studio and like their history. Right. And I didn't realize that this is sort of the path that like most of their really big games took. And I say big games with, you know, air quotes. Cause it's like, we think of like double fine games as like psychonauts, brutal legend, uh, you know, broken age. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also, uh, you know, of course psychonauts too, but they have a ton of these like very small in scope games that they've made between basically brutal legend and psychonauts too. And those sort of were the games that they had kind of stumbled into um, as like their niche, right? And so for them to come back to Psychonauts 2 and sort of return to form um, in this way, like it took a lot more money, resources, oh, yeah, like yeah. investment in the studio. And like <laughs> basically, uh, I, I hadn't heard some of the stuff that you were talking about there, but, but yeah, Tim Schafer sort of paints a picture of like, you know, we didn't have a lot of resources to do a lot of things. And thankfully we got more bucks, um, you know, towards the end of this game's development to kind of finish this stuff off. It's also really interesting. I mean, how much do we want to talk about the, the mega corporation sized elephant in the room that is Microsoft game studios acquiring double fine and its influences on this game. Cause I feel like there's a, maybe even a whole podcast there, but um, you know, there, there's a lot there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Um, was it, and was it, uh, yeah. Okay. And they acquired him in what, 2019. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. It was nice to have this on game pass. Um, right. It was really nice to have this on game pass. Yeah. Um, well, it's... and I, I look at, I remember when that acquisition was announced and I was really surprised by that because of all people to get kind of gobbled up by, a mega publisher, <laughs> you know, yeah, I did not little see indie studio. Well, I mean, how many little yeah. indie studios does Microsoft own at this point now? And, and, mm -hmm. um, I think as long as they let them kind of keep making cool stuff, um, and give the resources to do that when there's a good game there to be made. I mean, obviously not to just hand out infinite money to these studios, but, um, you know, to say, look, I have this game and I think it's going to be cool and it's going to take us a while and we can't fund it any other way. Can we have some, some Microsoft bucks? Um, 
Microsoft has plenty of Microsoft bucks, you know, is <laughs> <laughs> my understanding how, how game development works. Right. Uh, well, they, they paid them in, uh, in Xbox live membership cards is, is when they gave and, them like old windows seven uh, <laughs> keys <laughs> yeah exactly yeah just take as much as you want from the company store uh as as possible oh, yeah uh, apparently too you know tim schaefer in talking about this um and, and i'm really going to recommend that that interview um that, that tim schaefer did with no clip games we'll put a link to it in the show notes here at the end um his philosophy on it was kind of interesting and it was basically like he looked at what was happening in the streaming uh, television and streaming like service, like video mm-hmm. service platforms. And he was talking about, you know, Netflix, Amazon prime, you know, all, all the big players there basically dumping a bunch of cash into content creation. Right. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. looked at, you know, those models sort of developing in the game space. And he was like, you know, if this is the way the industry is going, like, I maybe I can try to get in on the ground floor and basically, like you said, Paul, get yeah. some of those Microsoft bucks. You I know, mean, right? if if you're going to point to someone who is the closest to like a Netflix circa 2014, right? It's Microsoft, uh, mm-hmm. unquestionably, right? Where they say, mm-hmm. pay us 11 bucks a month or whatever and take all our content and we're just going to grind content. And then charge you x amount a month for it like it's a good model um it's 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 not a bad model for microsoft to be getting into and um yeah i hadn't thought about it from a streaming perspective but um that that is kind of what they're doing so yeah yeah, tim schaefer might have uh gotten in the right place you know yeah and he also spoke a little bit about like it was interesting to hear his own words um to talk about like the you know their perspective as like a studio now becoming part of this, you know, basically becoming part of Microsoft game studio, because if you go back in time, you know, to when Microsoft first did this sort of stuff, like you look at the original big acquisition of like Microsoft game studios and it's Bungie, right? Yeah, sure. And like that and the way that that all shook out and this and the way that like Tim Schafer is painting it are apparently night and day things like, a you know, classic Microsoft ploy of old was we buy the studio, we make you into the factory that makes the mm-hmm. thing that we want, you know, right. Yep. And supposedly what what the scuttlebutt is, at least for now, is that Microsoft is doing what I think Sony has kind of done for a while, which is sort of like the values not in the particular like game brand the value is in the talent and the people and the studio so we want you to make stuff and put it on our our platform um and the only the thing that i'm thinking about is like it's interesting that you mentioned netflix of 2014 as opposed to like netflix of today because netflix of today i don't feel like has as strong of cred (laughs) for like their original offering so many other people filled the space i I, that's yeah the idea of 2014 Mm -hmm. is like they own that space in 2014 um, yeah. Uh, even later than that, but um, Hulu was what? It's probably the next one, and that took a while. Yeah. Right. Yeah. At least the well, and and there was famously there was a quote from Netflix. I forget who the Netflix like exec was at the time, where they said like our goal is to become HBO before HBO can become Netflix, and like. Looking at that in 2021, I don't think they got there. No, no. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they hit it. Right? <sighs> no. And so that's kind of. 
I, I, I wanted to bring that up to frame our conversation as we get into our discussion about this game, because if what Microsoft is doing will lead to more games like Psychonauts 2 on the service, please continue to do that. If they lose their way, then we're going to go down the path of just like making Gears of War 11 and... Uh, and well, I think one of the Halo big tricks that... that Re-infinite, it, you know. It was yeah. impossible for, micro, or for Netflix to do in that space was to make a show and then air it on, say, CBS, um, which is what Microsoft is fine doing because this is on um, all the Microsoft systems um, and on Game Pass, which is that, that sort of Netflix, Netflix-y system, but it's also on the PS, whatever you got. Um, mm-hmm. And it's on, you know, what, what I, this runs on lots of things, right? It probably runs on Linux, probably runs on... Uh, <laughs> it runs on Linux. Yeah, it was famously released for PlayStation 4 also. So it's currently on Windows, PlayStation 4, all the Xboxes. Uh, it's on Mac OS uh, and it's on Linux. So. Yep. so it's one of those where... Yeah, that, that is that's like an unthinkable thing for Netflix to have made a show and then give it to somebody else to sell, right? Or to sell mm-hmm. it on another platform because they needed people to be in there paying that 11 bucks or whatever it was at the start. Yeah. Um, and Microsoft doesn't have that problem. Um, so I think they're already ahead of Netflix, 2020 Netflix, 2021 Netflix on that that front. Yeah. Well, so getting back to... The conversation about the game itself. Wait, that's a good question, actually. Could I yeah. buy like Bojack Horseman on DVD? I, I like. I don't think I can. Can I? I don't Let's think both you can. Go to Amazon. <laughs> um, uh, because I think that's the real Horseman. Apparently, you can. Bojack Horseman seasons one and two. Um, okay. There's a there's a collector's edition Blu-ray that you seasons can buy. Seasons one and two. That's all I'm seeing. Um, that might be it then. Yeah. So maybe it's on some weird, like time delay or something like Netflix exclusive (laughs) for a decade. So, I mean, that's what, that's, that's a big difference. Um, like Netflix has things that they have closely guarded and, and it's like, you want to watch Bojack Horseman get Netflix. Um, and Microsoft is saying, you want to play, uh, this game we made do it wherever, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. So buy the, yeah, buy the thing. Uh, get our streaming service, do the, you know, however you want to play it, play the thing. Also, that's a um, sentence I don't think I ever would have thought I'd say on this podcast is, can I buy Bojack Horseman on a <laughs> DVD? <laughs> let's talk Help about Psychonauts 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's talk about Psychonauts 2. So, as an update to um, to a game that came out in 2005, like, what you know, we talked about things that were rough, and you had kind of yeah. said that there were still some rough edges here. Um, how do you feel that you know, this game stacks up as a follow-up as a, as a modern day version of Psychonauts, right? Like that's essentially what it is or what they're, what they're trying to make it to be. So they switched to, I think for Psychonauts one, they built their own engine, right? Um, and in this one, I think, so. they, yeah. I, I think um, they just used um, Unreal, uh, the Unreal Engine for, um, and it's like, oh, you could tell, <laughs> like you could tell this is an Unreal Engine because it's smooth and it's good. And, uh, it's like, yeah, why? I, I'm glad they didn't waste time trying to update, either update their old engine or build a new engine um, yeah. because Unreal works fine here. 
Um, well, in a, in a fun fact about Unreal, like, I mean, Unreal at this point powers not only like a huge portion of like the games yeah. industry, but they're straight up making like the Mandalorian with Unreal. Yeah. Like, I yeah. don't know if you've seen that kind of stuff, but like they have a, a whole virtual set technology that is literally powered by Unreal. So yeah. most of the universe runs Unreal Engine at this yeah. point. <laughs> so, I mean, don't reinvent the wheel, game studios. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it feels smooth. Um, I think I said, I think I challenged you in the last one of like name another 3d platformer from like 2005 that felt good um and we struggled um after the fact i think i should have tossed out like a ratchet and clank i don't know when the first one of those came out but that's probably the the best comparison Um, yeah the jack and daxter series was always pretty strong too um but it's a short list um yeah and this one feels very clean, right? The platforming is, I was never standing there thinking, okay, how do I do this jump? Or like, oh, my camera's clipping into a wall or like, I can't see where I need to be or the camera's doing weird things. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think I ever had that happen. Um, and while I'm not 100% the game yet, I've, I've, I've probably like 98% of the game at this point. So um, I'll go back and clean up some stuff. but. Um, I haven't fully 100%ed it yet. Um, I, I've poked really hard at the edges of this game, though, is, is kind of the point. Well, and and I to piggyback on that, I would say that for me, I think the reason why I enjoyed this game as much as I did was that I really liked a lot of what Psychonauts 1 was doing in terms of visual design, storytelling, you know, what the world that they were building. I just didn't care for the game part of it all that much. Um, yeah, that, that's fair. You know, and and for me, this like that that's kind of been a criticism that I've consistently had with, and and we talked about this on the last podcast where I always kind of I feel that way a lot with uh, Tim Schafer games in particular, Double Fine games. Um, you know, Brutal Legend. I sort of felt the same way too, where it's like this is a really cool story, and I'm having fun with it. I'm not sure I'm enjoying the game part of it, and. I, that is a hundred percent flipped on its head for Psychonauts 2. I really like, I enjoyed the story. Um, I thought it was, you know, I enjoyed the characters. I I liked the direction they were taking everything, but I also, also the visual design. Oh my God. And we can, we can talk about that more. Um, But like the gameplay was tight in a way that I've not experienced a double fine game being tight gameplay wise. And that really like, to me, set it up over the top in terms of like, yeah, okay, I can really dig this game. Like I'm going to have a good time with this game because a lot of the stuff that's present is stuff that they're building on from Psychonauts 1, right? Like a lot of the abilities are the same. You still have kind of the same double jump sort of thing. You still have the same balloon that you can like inflate above your head to help you float down. You still can roll on the, on the ball, you know? Um, But like all that stuff just, it just felt satisfying in a way that it felt really, janky loose and kind of floaty in in the original game and um i cannot talk enough about how how that improved my experience just and and i think a lot of it is that era of um you know it's the same you have to think back to like mario 64 of you you have planes you're just working with planes intersecting so you have all these hard edges you have all these like places where you could fall into the world essentially um actually i did I did fall into the world once in this one, but I was trying to get on top of something I don't think I was supposed to be on. And um, one of the objects wasn't, uh, didn't have collision. 
<laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> like, whoops. Like, whoops. Uh, well, uh, I guess I'm just going to jump in this water now. But, uh, <laughs> And I, I guess I also did gl- glitch out the game later in one of the parts where, like, gravity's changing. And I, I did, like, a weird bounce jump at the wrong time. And I triggered a thing and, and soft locked. But that was fine, too. Um, <laughs> that was on me. Um, <laughs> but, nice. yeah, I, I would agree. The gameplay is very, very, very smooth. Um, and the story, I, I think the story in this is a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Um, and a big part of the story being great. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler to talk about the fact that they got really, really good voice talent for this. Um, Richard Horvitz, um, back as Raz, which is great. Um, but Jack Black, most notably, perhaps, um, mm-hmm. Jack Black is mm-hmm. in this and is amazing. Um, Elijah Wood is in this and amazing. Uh, oh, who did, who did Elijah Wood play? Nick. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, um, and we'll get into specifics we'll get about into characters and stuff. Nick. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, Nick from the mailroom, uh, is an interesting character in this game. And I yeah. did not realize that that's who voices. Nick. The first okay, time wow. he talked, I was like, oh man, who's that? Who's that? <laughs> and then like the third time he talks, like that's Elijah Wood. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, Fred Tascatori, um and Armin Schimmerman are both in this as well. Yeah, I recognized. Uh, I was like, it's Quark. <laughs> um, Tascatori does a ton of things. It's like, yeah, actually, I can't say that name without um, spoiling a little bit. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah, it's just, it's just so many fun things in here. Um, I did read a, a fun bit of trivia here that... Um, uh, Richard Horvitz um, was Invader Zim as uh, one of his credits, right? And um, his the, pr- psychic, the psychic. Are you talking about the psychic projection? Yeah. So his psychic projection is voiced by the, the voice who does Gur. Simmons, who did Gur yep. on Invader Zim. Um, and when his archetype came up, it was like, oh man, this is like when you have those two voices paired with each other, just like, oh man, this is I'm watching Invader Zim again. I had to hear that one exactly twice. And I was like, Oh my God, it's Gur. Like, Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but they really, they really put the effort in on this voice work. Um, everybody who did voice work on this, like nailed it. Um, which I, I'm sure making this game a big chunk of it in, in the pandemic is, was not easy. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> with, with voice talent, but, um, they really, yeah. They really hit this one out of the park. So, yeah, yeah, and it's um, I I will say that there's there's a good friend of mine who uh is who may be listening right now who really did not like this game, and I I want to kind of pay homage to, you know, people who may not have liked it, but I feel like I, I feel like this is a story that you either connect with. It it is it's one of those tales that it's a very like. It's almost like to say it's kind of heartwarming almost. And it's that type of like reconnecting with your family. And like they play with the theme of family um, quite a bit in this, actually, because the theme of family sort of like becomes more important later on. And we'll we'll talk about, you know, spoilers in the second part of the show. Um, but if you're sort of into that, like it's I, I don't know, like I just I, I found it endearing in a way that like the original Psychonauts wasn't like. I liked the the original Psychonaut story because it was like intriguing and dark and just kind of like zany almost, right? Because you're like, what is this camp about? Like, because it's all new, right? They they're they're just yeah, yeah. they're creating the world, and you're just like trying to figure out what the rules are for this 
weird psychic summer camp where there are apparently psychonauts and now somebody's using sneeze powder to steal brains and like what's all that about and and what i liked a lot about psychonauts too was it took all of those things it really i mean it does a great job of like taking the foundation that was laid in the first game and then really just kind of taking that and running with it um you know, it is kind of one of those where it's it's cliche to say, like, I feel like Psychonauts, you know, uh, crawled, you know, and walked so that Psychonauts 2 could run, you know, right? Like it is, it's that kind of all the stuff that was there, all the world building, all the this is how everything works. Psychonauts 2 just sort of takes it and, and, and runs with it in really interesting ways. And this is, you know, we talked about how big the cast of characters was in Psychonauts 1. Psychonauts 2 is huge. Oh, yeah, there are so tons of, of characters. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just hit the like the names we'd probably recognize, but there's probably other people on that list that I'm recognizing too from other stuff that I'm just not recognizing right now. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. so many people on that list. Um, It is a good list of people. Yeah. Cause you've, you've got essentially it starts. I thought what the game was going to be was very much like, you know, so essentially uh, Raz and his new core of of folks, right? Because you've got Coach Oleander, you've got Sasha, you've got Mia, um, you know, Ford Crawler uh, was in there. And then they introduce Agent Hollis. And I'm like, okay, this is probably going to be the core, right? Um, you know, and you've, st- you've got Lily Zanato as well. And they still have that fun dynamic between Raz and Lily. Um, I and wish Shemala. it was more Lily. Um, I don't think I agree. Lily in there, but. She's um, really strong, particularly how important I thought there was going to be more Lily because of where the story starts out with. Right. And with Lily's dad. And, and, you know, again, we won't get specific about that, but then like the story takes a a little bit of a turn and you're introduced to Ford. It's almost like, I almost look at it as like, this is going to make it sound bad because a lot of people, you know, the new star Wars movies equal bad in a lot of people's minds, but it's sort of like you have this classic core cast of people who sort of then like, you know, then there's this whole other cast that's introduced and the cast that's introduced is like the founding, you know, fathers and mothers of, of the psychonauts group. Right? Yeah. The psychic seven, right? The the psychic seven, which I thought was, they, they sort of use that as a really interesting way to tell the story uh, about, you know, the psychonauts coming into existence, which um, I think for me worked really well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much more to say without spoiling. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I think I like the plot of this one. I thought it moved really well. And I I was worried about that in in a lot of ways, because, you know, you have to you have to write down and say, these are the dozen minds we're going to go into or whatever. And that was challenging in Psychonauts 1, right? You had these weird random ones like the Milkman Conspiracy. Um, Yeah. And some of those later ones, it just like the narrative thread, I think, kind of got lost in Psychonauts 1. Um, all the levels felt a lot more disjointed and a lot less clearly progressing from one to the next. Um, and in this one, it feels very clearly progressing from one to the next. And all of them feel like they are very, very tightly tied to that central narrative. Um, there's no just random side things you do. Um, all the brains you go into are part of that central narrative. Yes. Um, yes. and that, that's, that helps keep focus, um, that I think Psychonauts one struggled with sometimes. 
Well, and, and the, you know, we were talking about this before we started rolling tape on the show too. And the, the one thing that I think is really interesting about this game that I feel like I'm just realizing this now as I'm, I'm kind of putting this all together. I feel like this game did a really good job of balancing gameplay and spectacle in a sure. way that like yeah. the other one couldn't like, I feel like there were, you know, cause we talked about some of our favorite, um, you know, levels from the first one, which is why those two were mentioned in the intro. Uh, if I was pressed to pick one, I would say Waterloo world was probably my favorite level slash mind, you know, from, from Psychonauts one. And you kind of pulled Lungfishopolis. Yeah. And I struggled though too, right? I, I was kind of going through them in my head and it's like, well, that one was fun enough. I guess that was fun enough. Like they're all kind of fun enough, but there's no like standout, right? Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no like, um, redacted world. <laughs> Right, Psychonauts right. too. We'll <laughs> talk about in spoilers, right. I'm sure. Um, yes, yeah. But yeah, I think this one has, I mean, overall, much better worlds, obviously. But the ones that are are fantastic are like fantastic. Yes, yes. And the one thing that really surprised me, and I, I, I won't go into two specifics, but there's the original kind of like hub world that you get to within moments of the game. Um. And and I figured that was going to be it, right? That you would be there and then you would connect to the other like mines and stuff. And then that, you know, because that's very much how Psychonauts 1 was, right? The camp was the hub world sure. that yep, sort yep. of like linked everything together. But this game kept surprising me with like how big it was, right? Because yeah, there's a lot more, lot more world. There's more areas because like there's there's a lot more gameplay that exists even outside of like you know, the, the collective unconscious, right. Which is how you get to all yep. the minds yep. that you've unlocked. There's just, there's a lot to this. Like when I went back through to go back for collectibles and stuff, cause I'm on my way to trying to hundred percent this, which there's a couple of levels where that's going to be tough finding all those figments. Um, yeah. Figments is the big thing I have left. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's, it struck me just like how much this game, like every time I got to a point where I was like, I've probably discovered like most of the worlds in this game. I'd, I'd either, you know, find an entirely new hub or I would open up like a mind that was like three or four or five parts, you know, right? Yeah. Um, there's some long levels in, in here. Too. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's pretty incredible. Like I just feel like, you know, size wise, I feel like this is easily twice the game that the first one was. Well, and, and it's probably an understatement to say that the, dis- the space this takes up on a disc Right. If this only takes up twice the size of original um, Psychonauts, like I would be I would be completely shocked like this. This it's it's what, 16 years later, (laughs) right? Right. Two console generations later, um, the the room they have to work with is is so much greater. So, yeah. Well, and I would say, though, too. You know, you, you throw something out there like, well, there's there's twice the worlds and there's, you know, easily yeah, double the content. Sure. And and that could feel almost bloated, you know, yeah. right? Because I feel like the one thing that Psychonauts 1 got right was it it did not really over overstay its welcome. Um, even if there were parts where it dragged, like at least you knew, OK, well, I'm going to be over this and, and into some sure. other mind or something. But. I, I can say the same, I think, comfortably for Psychonauts too. At least I felt that like you're never really mired down into like one specific place for too long. It kind of does what it needs to do. It yeah. tells the story and then you get out and you go and you do the next thing. Yeah. I, I will say on um, 
you mentioned that it doesn't feel bloated. Um, I think one of the big critiques about Psychonauts 1 that I had going back to it, and, and again, I, I really like Psychonauts 1 playing it again, too, if, if, if that wasn't clear from our last discussion. But um, I really liked it, despite having a lot of critiques about it, because it's a 16-year-old game. One of those big right. ones is Power Bloat, um, that it, it was it always felt like you were trying that they were forcing you to use like six powers and only four slots for powers um, mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of powers that really felt unnecessary and, and shoehorned into the game. And I think they, they did that a lot better here, even though there's different powers and they had to keep basically all the powers from the first game. Um, I think they did their level designs more, more carefully to not have you really getting stressed about what powers on what button, you know? Yeah. And there were only a few times where I was like, okay, what does the game want me to be doing? Like, and I had to go to the wheel of powers and be like, what do I have to do this? Like, I think that only happened a small handful of times. So, well, and I think, I think they did a nice balancing act of incorporating the powers into all parts of the gameplay. Yeah. I would just like to nominate um, pyrokinesis uh, for most improved power uh, easily. Good one. (laughs) I, um, I recognized the power in that one early and just like beefed that one up. And anytime a fight was happening, it's like, okay, cool. Well, I'm going to trigger that one and then like explode all these enemies. And as soon as the cooldown's done, I'm going to be triggering that again. So, well, and then there's really, there's a cool upgrade system in this game too, which I, I wasn't expecting yeah, yeah. with like uh, the ability well, several to several upgrade systems. Yeah. So, so one thing that it sort of did was it got rid of the, the currency got streamlined in such a way where there really is now only there's the cards and the cores, which w- carries over from the first game to help you upgrade your level. Um, and then there's, uh, there's really only the other type of currency in the game is the Citanium, right? Yeah, and like, yeah. you don't have to do the dousing rod stuff anymore. Cause that was just kind of dumb. And you know, I, I, I never really felt like that worked very much, but for me, the thing that I thought was really cool was as you level up, you get these like points that you can put into specific yeah. powers, um, to, to beef those up in interesting ways. But then you also have the pin system and yeah, I thought the, the pins, pins yeah. were really cool. Yeah. So like the pin, like, I don't know which ones you use, but I found oh, the you pin. Can guess which pins I use. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I really didn't explore them much because I found a couple of pins that just like work oh, for I have me. All the pins. Okay. Okay. So um, which ones did you decide? I mean, we were... had this conversation in near. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so you used, uh, there's one that. Uh, collects everything for you right in a greater uh, radius that was yeah that was that's a low enough level that i had that one on pretty early yep okay um one that i gravitated towards really early was the one where um when you're using psychokinesis if there's nothing to grab it just pulls stuff from thin air or pulls stuff out of the ground okay. never tried that one. Oh, it was so great actually uh, I, I can remember the five pins that i used in game so well six because at a certain point yeah i could remember all six so one okay. of them is the um is the one you just said uh, the other early game pairing was there was one that like when you use mental when you make mental connections there's a chance for it to give you health and a chance for it to give you money. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so that pairing was another low level one um, that was really powerful. And then as soon as I hit level, I think it's like forty eight or whatever. Um, there's one that doubles the titanium you get. Yes. Um, yep. And so immediately bought that and put that on for the rest of the game. Um, 
<laughs> and then I and then there's also a VIP one. So when you buy things, you get them for half price. So anytime I was going to the store, I was wearing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the game, I bought all the things and my 5,000 titanium wallet was maxed out. Um, and so I took off the one that doubled and I put on the one that punches harder. Only oh, at the end yep. Of the game, that's though, a good one. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, I had that one for quite a bit of time, too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those are the pins I used. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think, don't I, think I, I even tried anything else. Oh, except <laughs> for the, the game forces you to make, use the rolling ball upgrade. So. Yeah, I think because that's the first one that it gives you or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think that's uh, I use the punch one, the um, the one where you can grab stuff out of thin air because I lo- like that throw with the stun. Yeah. Like combat wise is just fantastic. Like I just used that and I was like, OK, well, I'm, I'm I, I can't not have this. I, I love it too much. Um, But what I like about that is you and I both kind of had pretty different you know, experiences with the pin system because I feel like they did, you know, it's not incredibly. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not as deep as like a, you know, JRPG or anything, but it does. I think it does strike a good balance of like allowing you to find the upgrades that fit your play style and, and go with it. Right. So if you want to hoard a bunch of cash, there's a bunch of combos that you can put together in your pin system to do that. Um, if you want to focus on brawling and, and, you know, flinging rocks and stuff, there's, there's a way to do that too. So yeah, I'm I'm always the one who puts on the get extra XP, get extra money pins, you know, <laughs> whatever the game calls them immediately. Yep. Uh, and, and yeah, and just ride says the whole way. But <laughs> I, I feel like we're getting very close to just talking about spoilers. So maybe, maybe this is the point where we, um, I mean, it's very clear that we both like this game, right? I'm not sure there's, <laughs> there's much else to tell people if you have Xbox, if you have game pass, right. Um, of any sort, is this on PC game pass? I didn't yep. even think that. Okay. It's on PC Game Pass. And it's also, I can say, as someone who has used it on both, um, I played this game three different ways. I played it on my Xbox. I have an Xbox Series X. Um, I have a Xbox One X. Uh, I played it on both of those. I played it on my PC. Um, and I even played it cloud streaming for a little bit of time all through Game Pass. And what's nice about that is it's also it's one of those games that it's a play anywhere title. So if you're in the Xbox ecosystem, you just like fire it up on whatever platform it pulls in your save. And it's like, here you go. So that was really nice. I will say that I played it on a um, first gen Xbox one, you know, one of those old, old models. And uh, (laughs) the game itself ran fine. Okay. Um, load screens uh you know i looked at load screens for a little bit not like absurd but like i'd say load screens probably took me 20 seconds yeah i i let me tell you that was the primarily most of my time was spent playing this on my series x and the load times are on that like i was like why did they even put a load animation here like it because it just (laughs) it shows the load animation for like a second and then it's like you're into the level and i was like i was i was watching those load animations for like 20 25 seconds so yeah yeah (laughs) i I was just i was standing there i was looking at i was like what i mean i guess like you can have some but like i didn't have any chance to be bored like they could have just showed a small black screen or something i was like cool i'll get up and get a drink so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I I played the rest of it on um my brother in law's uh Xbox Series uh, is is Xbox One X. So before the most powerful of the last version of yep, Xbox, yeah. because Xbox's naming convention is <sighs> as bad as the Wii and Wii U, right? But um 
you know, it's the last, it's the older generation of Xbox. And like, I was like, oh, that's why there's a loading screen here. Um, yeah, I'm going to go make some tea. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, be and, and I'm not going to fault them. Like they shouldn't be optimizing this game for a, you know, seven, eight year old system. Um, they're optimizing this for the new system. So that's fair. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that both the PlayStation five and the Xbox series X and S both like tout. Uh, and that's kind of where this generation's improvement, um, in addition to just like the standard, like raw horsepower graphics, like all that stuff, the hard drives that they're running on just allow them to, to load stuff. Yeah. You know what? I didn't even think about the fact that, um, I'm not sure if this is, hmm. so I have an SSD, but I wonder if this installed on my internal drive. So good question. I don't think oh. I paid attention to where it installed. So there you go. <laughs> that might've been part of the problem. Do your own digital foundry tests here after oh, this. Man. Yeah, exactly. It was, it well, was pulling that game from that old, uh, hard disk drive, the old spinning platter. Yep. Yep. Well, um, I guess I will say, yeah, the visually it's great. Um, and I don't think we talked about the visuals enough. There are periods of times in this game where it's one of the coolest looking games I've seen in a long time. Like, there's sections of it that are just psychedelic yeah, and trippy. Yeah, let's talk about redacted level. Let's <laughs> just kind of get into spoilers. <laughs> okay, all right. If you all if right. you have if you have a way to play this game, play this game. Um, yeah, it's a if you it's a fun 3D platformer, right? It's a uh, it's a very good 3D platformer, and and that was my critique in the last episode, right? It's hard to make 3D platformers, um, and it's a really fun one. If you like the, your Mario's, you like your Ratchet and Clank's, Jack and Dexter's, your uh, Banjo Kazooie's. Wait, did you say your, Jack uh, and Dexter? It's not Jack. And, it's Jack and Daxter. Jack and Dexter is the movie where he murders <laughs> serial killers. So that's a very different game. <laughs> <laughs> but to back up Paul's point, yes. <laughs> Let's play, go to spoilers. <laughs> play this game. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the gloves are coming off. We're going to spoil it all. So be prepared. Uh, it's the missing save file. Be right back. the missing save file uh we are talking about psychonauts 2 first half of the show was completely spoiler free and so we're gonna just do one more you know this is it uh if you do not want to be heavily heavily spoiled on characters plot developments the entire story of psychonauts 2 um you know abandon ship here play the game come back hear our thoughts on the rest of it but if you do not want the spoilers you know you got to pause here uh, and, and come back after you've played the game. So with that said, now, Paul, we can kind of get into it. Which level redacted were you hoping to talk about the most? <laughs> I mean, obviously, <laughs> it is Jack Black's level. It is... Psy King Sensorium? Psy King. Um, yeah, I mean, that level, man. Well, it's it's such a long level, too. Um, it is, yeah. And it, it it showcases, like, a lot of the voice talent they have on hand, but also, obviously, the visuals and um, and audio work is, is phenomenal. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I feel like that, um, that level is just like, it's such a, it's such a really cool convergence of like many, a lot of levels that, that do that sort of thing where they're just like visually striking and it's, it's truly like psychedelic feeling, which is sort of the, the vibe that they're going for. Um, 
a lot of games would like do that just as like a cool filter to like set a vibe, but not really like back it up in terms of like, you know, the story, but like it dovetails so nicely into the plot and the story, you know, elements that they're telling that it's like, it's perfect. Like that, that was the level that for me was like, I think I love this game. Yeah. uh, Yeah. When that one came on, it was like, wow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I was already pretty into the game, but it was just like, it's such a hard right turn. Um, It's like, okay, cool. They're really just, and it's also, I I think one of my complaints about Psychonauts one that I I, I probably haven't made um, is that a lot of the levels and and it's partly the engine. It's partly that it was running on original Xbox um, that a lot of the the levels feel dark, right? Because there's, there's a lot of just fall off render distance fall off. Right. So you're not, you're not rendering things in the distance because you don't have the capability to, you know, the processing power to, so really in any level, once you get out a certain distance, it, you just make it dark. Um, and so a lot of the game takes place at night, um, partly for the atmosphere of it, but, but probably partly because of that. Um, and yeah, it's very easy to get locked into that. Like, it just feels dark. And this is so the opposite of that, right? It is to the horizon, this just sensory experience um the psychedelic experience um with also great music i I think that was another complaint i hate about psychonauts one isn't that psychonauts one music is not great um and a lot of it's on loop yeah Um, yeah and and it's not memorable like i would be hard pressed to come up with one kind of track from psychonauts one other than meat circus because um, <laughs> that one's forever burnt in sure yeah and yeah. and this one like so leans into the like and, and it's not that just this that not just psyching has awesome music this whole game has awesome music so it does um, yeah yeah it i mean it's amazing and like um so to to kind of back up a little bit i guess i mean if you're listening to this part of the podcast you know what we're talking about we're going to kind of bounce around a little bit um because you know we, you've you've hopefully played the game just to frame the conversation though i guess we'll talk about like at this point in the story you know we've we've gone to the mother lobe um which is sort of the the psychonauts base we've met you know uh hollis who's the you know the kind of leader of of the psychonauts we're pretty invested into the story at this point and like what i love about this whole level the the Psy king sensorium is you, you start out not even knowing that this is who you're whose brain you're yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, you find that a brain in a jar to put in Nick. <laughs> yeah. Um, because he's missing his brain. And, um, yeah, and, and he doesn't know who he is either. Um, well, and that whole journey from, like, the way they start it. I, I mean, I, I, think, I, I think also the reason why all those really psychedelic, like, just overload of sensations of, like, visual and, and, and auditory and all that stuff like the reason they hit so well, I think, is because when you start inside that brain, it is literally just a spark, right? You're yep. literally just talking to this. Like there's just this tiny little spark of like what's left in that yeah, brain. Yeah. And you, you, it's to me, it was like playing that 
almost felt like coming back to life, right? Like it's sort mm-hmm. of like there's just there's almost nothing left. There's this tiny little spark. And they they talk about how it's like because the brain was in a jar for so long, like there's no no sensory inputs, right? So like whatever spark was there has dwindled down to, to almost nothing. Then I love the fact that you put it into you put the brain into Nick from the mailroom who's been de-brained. <laughs> um and then like he's yeah, like voiced by Elijah Wood. <laughs> voiced by Elijah Wood and like you sort of um, there's this point where you put clairvoyance on and you like look through his eyes and everything is like wrong oh, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. and like that's what kicks off the journey to like go down this path right of like oh all of his sensory inputs are like massively whacked right yeah. like they just don't work and so then you go on this this literal journey and they also frame it because it's this journey to take this brain back to like life again it's a it's a road trip too, right? Because it's yep. like you're in the van and you're cruising around to the yeah, different they're playing campsites. in a band with the but five yeah. senses because they have five other characters. Again, great voice talent that they could use here um, as his bandmates. Each one of the five senses. Yeah, um, just every choice that they made in that series of levels that kind of make up the psyching sensorium is just like this is great. Yeah, this is they yeah. they've they've nailed it. Um. Yeah, and and I've I've spent a lot of time in that level too because oh yeah, finding all those figments, finding those um, collectibles. I'm I'm still missing like three and only three, and I'm like, yeah, where are they? I think I have everything <laughs> but a a small number of figments, probably five ish, and yeah. it's one of those where like maybe I'll go back and get those, but maybe not. Yeah, um, yeah. I probably will at some point, but um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a cool level. Um, but I think a lot of the levels are a lot of fun too, even the early stuff like Hollis's stuff. Um, the, a big chunk of the front end of the game is, is all Hollis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a long level at the start. And especially when you factor in cutscenes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's fun. It's a fun, it's a fun set of levels with, well, and what's interesting to me too is like you look at these like levels because you sort of you start the game in in Lobato's labyrinth, which mm-hmm. I feel like that level is probably the most Psychonauts one, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, yeah, it sure. feels very it feels very much like a Psychonauts one level because it's like it's all about Lobato's phobias, right? Mm-hmm. And his like the whole weird like relationship that he has with like he's a dentist but he's also like maybe creeped out by teeth and maybe like you know because like there's just teeth everywhere like everything's made out of gums and teeth and it's like kind of like <laughs> um, i love like that the that... game warns you before it starts that if you have a dental phobia like you might not want to play it <laughs> <laughs> they're just wearing it on their sleeve they're like hey listen you got to be prepared um but then you very quickly go into you know sort of the direction that they're taking the game um, which is a lot brighter and a lot, um, you know, there's still a lot of dark elements here, but I, I feel like in Psychonauts 1, they were always not, whether I, maybe they didn't know how dark they wanted to get, or maybe they were just playing with the tone, but like sometimes it it was really lighthearted and then sometimes it got like turbo dark and you're like, this is a little like, you know, I, I didn't feel like it was too much, but it was just like, what tone are we going for here? Are we having kind of like a fun, happy-go-lucky adventure? Or are we getting kind of like, depressed and I, I i feel like this game is a much more hopeful game than psychonauts one um in a lot of ways and i feel like it's reflected in the visuals and the tone and the music and the characters and the you know basically you know everything it, it just feels 
much more optimistic, I think, than Psychonauts 1 did. And and maybe that's why some people might not enjoy it as much, but that's why I certainly really dug it as much as I did, I think. Yeah, I think it, I think a lot of it goes back even to just that, that difference, again, boy, that like night and day difference between night and day of like, this game takes place in the day. Psychonauts 1 mm-hmm. took place at night. Like, mm-hmm. um, again, probably in a large part due to processing issues of uh, mm-hmm. rendering graphics. It's much easier to render a convincing night scene because you don't have to render distance than it is day. And it, it's not day that much at, um, at camp. Right. And when it is like, you can't really see the horizon. There's a lot of valleys and stuff. Right. Right. Um, but once you're in people's brains, um, yeah, it's a lot of distance fall off and Yeah all the worlds look very different here too, right? If you showed me a still or weird random still from any part of one of these um, levels, I think it would be pretty easy to assign it pretty quickly um, to that world because they all just take place in such different sort of well worlds and then, you know, back backgrounds. Yeah. I mean, and, and, what I thought was interesting too is, um, you know, you compare all the stuff that's happening in, in Hollis's head, which has that very like Vegas vibe, right? Because the connection that you make with Hollis is that, you know, um, <laughs> she doesn't want to let any of the psychonauts, um, interns join on any of the cool missions because she's, you know, terrified of, of risk. And so, you know, Raz makes that connection where risk, you know, is great. And then she just wants to gamble everything away. And then you sort of have to fix that. Um, which I also feel like doing that early in the game, um, in, in Hollis's levels sort of also sets the tone for what Psychonauts is too, right? Where it's like, they, they come out almost with a thesis statement of the game at that point where it's like, we're not here to rewire people's brains. We're here to help them with their problems. You know, right. Um, and, and I feel like this game maybe handles mental health in a little bit more positive way than, than the first game. And, and Paul, you tell me what you think, because I, I feel like a lot of your observations about Psychonauts one were pretty much dead on where it's like, it's, it's based in, you know, the completely debunked Freudian theories, you know, right. Um, and I feel like this game, it takes a little bit more therapeutic approach or what we would look at as maybe modern. And I think some of Hollis's conversations about that are probably, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that, but I think Hollis's conversations are some of those good ones like that of um, a much healthier take on that. Um, and even just kind of, I made the joke about the last one of like, um, Sasha is, is I thought he was German and it's like, no, he's clearly Austrian because obviously, um, mm-hmm. but, but Sasha and Mila um are both kind of sidelined in this game and Oleander very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having a totally different cast of what feel like much more modern characters um, helps that a lot. Um, helps that a lot. But I would, I would agree with you on that point though, that I think they do take a much better perspective on a lot of these ideas. And, and that's a very good take that, that Hollis's conversation with Raz is probably something they spent a lot of time like writing and thinking about how they wanted to put that in there. Right. 
yeah that that when when that was said and when that was stated i was like oh okay i get it i think that's very i think that's very intentional yeah 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 this is this is that's them telling us this is what we're doing in this game and and you see that a lot then because you're you're literally helping ford crawler put together the shattered pieces of his mind right but Mm -hmm. like he's doing the work you're just helping him connect the pieces. Uh, similarly with Psy King sensorium, like Psy King remembers who he is. You're just helping him rediscover the senses. Um, Cassie's collection, Cassie's reconciling all the different roles that she's taken throughout her life to survive and then bringing them back together as like, you know, this is, these are all parts of myself. This is me. Um, I, I really liked a lot of that. Like I, I liked the way that they handle those characters and, and it, it really, I think made it, kind of endearing to me um you know i i just i thought being in those minds and kind of it's almost it's weird to say that like i don't know it's like a video game character and a fictional character like making themselves emotionally available and vulnerable to you in a way is sort of yeah. interesting right like well, it's, it's a level of intimate storytelling that i don't think we see a lot in games i think a lot of that comes down to the um the memory vaults mm-hmm. um the, which are great all of them are I, great I think there's a lot of stuff hidden in those memory vaults that if you're not getting those, um, some of that is lost. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hollis's especially, well, all of them, but I think Hollis is a very early one that you can miss. Um, but when she has that conversation with Raz about like, hey, I did something like this too. It's like, oh yeah, I know because it was in the memory vaults. Yes. Um, and so I, I think it's, well, and there's some of those memory vaults you can't get to on the first pass and you have to come back to, um, Psy King being one of those. Um, because when you're going through, you don't know who he is. Um, and so you have to come back after you've found all that out. Um, I, I think a lot of those really do paint that picture of um, those struggles. Like um, Bob's is another one that comes to mind. Bob, uh, the very late level. Um, but Bob Zanato, who um, is is depressed um and and i think the game it makes it, uh, a, a very clear case that he has become an alcoholic right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah the level is is literally referred to as bob's, bob's bottles. bottles yeah mm-hmm. um and the like the the way they deal with that and um yeah i think that's a, a very good level a very interesting level but the what do you see in the memory vaults also then really helps paint that backstory of like, well, this is how he got there. Like, this is how um, he's in this place. And um, yeah, I think they, they do a really good job at a lot of this. So, well, and those, the, the memory vaults carry over from psychonauts one and, mm-hmm. and they were good there. And I feel like they're as good or better here. And like, I just think it's such a cool choice to make, story content that is completely optional and it's it's not necessary i feel like you can probably get you can still get a lot out of the story without finding them but the level that they add and enrich to the story just by being basically a view master right it's just they are view masters yeah yeah and, and but because of they pick such poignant pictures and they're able to tell a story in just a few frames of like what has happened with literally no dialogue no text no nothing it's just picture, 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 and you get it, you know, you, you come away from it going, oh, wow. Like that, you know, I, I'm, I'm really impressed by that level of like visual storytelling. It's an interesting, um, I mean, I, I doubt that I like, I'm almost certainly making a jump here, but if you are digging back into like 20th century, mid, mid century, 
um, psychology, especially in that like era of um, projective tests, uh, the Rorschach blot test being probably the most famous projective test. Um, they're they're very mid twentieth century. They they um, the short of them is they don't really work. Um, Sure. Because <laughs> for lots and lots of reasons. <laughs> um, but maybe the second most famous, um, a distant second, is a test called the Thematic Apperception Test, uh, TAT. Um, and it is, uh, the way it's administered is pictures, right? So you would give someone a picture, um, and to, to drastically simplify this, um, you'd give them a picture of something and say, um, either what is happening in this picture, or what just happened, or what is about to happen. Um, and so choosing to do those as a view master where you're given one image and in, in very clear form, you could say, oh, wow, I get what has happened, what is happening and what is about to happen from this one still image. Um, if, I mean, I, that is almost certainly a jump, but I, there would be a very small chance that someone at Double Fine, <laughs> you know, came up with that for the first game because that was a first game thing. But mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It at least ties in with that same sort of like t- mid twentieth century psychology that um, that is very very existent in the first game. So, yeah, and I I I think you know it is interesting. It's another example of how I think the first game had these interesting parts and pieces, but again, there were a lot of flaws in them, and and this game takes a lot of it and, and helps elevate it you know, right. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it does it in a way that just, you know, it, it, it adds to the story. Um, I, God, I was looking through these levels and like, what's your least favorite level? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. I think my least favorite level might be, it might actually be, uh, Lobato's labyrinth actually. Oh, um, that's a, that's a, that's a cheap, that's a, Okay, if I've got to if I've got to pick one that's not Lobato's Labyrinth, um... as, well, as I, I think, what I'm going to say is probably you're going to call me out for cheating now. But, but... okay, go for it. What's yours? Because uh, I would probably say the mailroom one. So Ford's, um, I forget what that one is. Paul, you can't say the mailroom one. That is, uh, um, yes, that's. Crawler's correspondence. Crawler's correspondence. I kept thinking towards <laughs> follicles, but that's here's here's why that level's the best level in a video game ever. It has I'm a not typewriter. It's horrible. It has a typewriter that you can type literally any four letter <laughs> word you want to on it. And they were brave enough to. You can type fart. You can type boob. You can type poop. I know because <laughs> I did it and giggled. Wow. <laughs> um. Fair. All right. Point I mean, you, we all know we're supposed to type Lucy, but damn it, I was in there typing all kinds of oh, stuff. Man. And I was like, they just let you do this. <laughs> because yeah, I'm I a think, child. I think apparently. the platforming in that one, especially going back, and I, I most recently went back in that one to try to get like figments and, um, you know, probably memory vault or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting around that level is, is some of the more complex platforming where you're not really you could look across a gap and be like i'm not sure how i get over there like i'm not sure what path i need to do to get there um and there's just some figments in weird places so I, again i'm not saying that's that it, i hated that level i'm just saying that of the levels i think that one was one of the weaker so you know what's funny is that um 
before you said, you know, your least favorite, I thought you might say favorite. It's actually up there in one of my favorites. I actually really like that level. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and not, not just for the typewriter that you can type, you know, whatever four letter word you want to. Um, I really enjoyed the platforming in that because it was a little trickier. Um, and I yeah. liked a lot of the, like, there's a section where there's like a cork board that has like a pin in it and like a pencil sticking out and like all that kind of, and I just kind of thought that stuff was kind of cool in there. Yeah. Um, and then nailing the timing of like, there's these stamps that go like up and down and stuff. Right. And then you've kind of got to like jump on top of the stamps and like get onto the, you know, they bounce up and there's a figment up there. And like, I think that, that was one of the first levels I, that so I hundred percent that you're talking about right there um, where there's two stamps and the second one you have to get on top of to get the stamp. I don't mm -hmm. know what it was, but I just really struggled to like the top of those stamps is rounded and yeah. Rez would not stay on top of those. Um, like I had a lot of struggle getting that figment. And I will say the last time I played this was going back to get figments, which I think is always going to be a more frustrating run. So I think the first time through it, I was fine with this level. It was just kind of a middle of the roader. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But going back to get figments in that one is a little more frustrating. Just a little. I would, it's not a bad yeah, level. It's not a bad level. I, yeah, I would actually say, so if I had to pick a next, if, if my least favorite level could not be Lobato's Labyrinth. Um... It might actually be, boy, this is tough. It might actually be Hollis's hot streak. Okay. Um, just because I felt like it wasn't rewarding enough to play. It was just kind of one of those where I was just sort of fiddling with bits, right? Like, okay, you do this, you connect the ideas, you have to connect the right idea and open the thing and do the thing. It's like, definitely a lot more of a A than B. Yes. Than yeah. a, you know, yeah. It felt very, to me, it still felt, I think a lot of the first levels, it would not surprise me if this game, they assembled these levels in order, right? Because I feel like uh, Lobato's Labyrinth, Hollis's Classroom, Hollis's Hot Streak, um, all of those really feel like they still have a lot of the DNA of Psychonauts 1 in them. Well, and it's like, they're not bad because of it. It's just, I don't care for them as much as like later parts of the game where like when I first found the questionable area, right. And like that opened up, I was like, Oh my God, there's all this yeah. stuff here. Yeah. Um, I spent a lot of time in there. That, that was a fun area. Yeah. Like, yes. Can so, I say, I think that was <laughs> to totally sidetrack. Um, I think the questionable area, when I first got into that, that is the point where I was sitting there just kind of looking around and it's beautiful scenery. Mm -hmm. um, but I realized I was just kind of like, there's a, a, a banjo track that plays um, behind it. It's the background music. And it's not like they're not pushing it at you. It's just like the backing. Um, and I realized like, wow, like whoever's doing banjo on this track, like is a good banjo player. Um, like, and I mean, I not like, I don't listen to a ton of banjo, but um, I mean, I'm a fan of at least a few banjo players and it's like, yeah, this is a fun track. And they got people who like knew what they were doing instead of just, you know, looping some bad music from Psychonauts 1. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I could sit there and listen to that track. And it was kind of like, I kind of want the soundtrack um, for just like forest ambient weird banjo music. Yeah, it was just, it's it's a, a, like a lot of the game. It just surprises you in ways that you're not expecting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and anyway, so, <laughs> yes. Hollis's, uh, I think Hollis's is, to your point, 
Um, I think they're still making a tutorial in that level. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- that's, and that's probably a lot of what, why it feels like Psychonauts one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would agree with you on that, that it still yeah. does feel very much. It, it doesn't feel like Psychonauts two yet. That's a fair. So I think I know your favorite level. It would probably be Psy King Sensorium, right? Probably. I mean, that the yeah, the music and visuals in that one are just so good. It's really, and the platform is fun. It's a fun platforming. I can make I feel like I can make a compelling case for Bob's bottles. Bob's um, bottles was fun too. Yeah. And and I like I feel like the better like it may not be the best the the most tight like platforming level uh but like what i like about bob's bottles is it sort of uh it does it shows i think the most improvement from psychonauts 1 to psychonauts 2 in terms of like it has it's all these interconnected pieces right like you have bob who's stranded on the island trying to grow mm-hmm. you know his garden of nothing and then you have to retrieve all of his seeds and then the the paths that you take like where you float on the door which is your boat mm-hmm. across you know and it's 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 set in this world where you know you're in bob's world which almost feels like a super mario galaxy level right because it's yeah, that sphere yeah. that just sort of like rolls all the way you know it's 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 got that feel to it the mini worlds um, and then you go into the bottles to do all the different sub levels and like the, the, the moods that those levels set in terms of like, oh, yeah, you understand yeah. everything about Bob's background, his troubled background of like, you know, his mom and like his relationship with his mom and like her gardening and then her, you know, her mental struggle, which then became his mental struggle. And then his relationship with the Psy King and like, like you just, you get to kind of like relive that in such a really compelling, cool way. And like, I, I feel like that's why you just connect with these characters so much. The, the Ford crawler levels, I feel like do that a lot too, where it's like, they really yeah. set the mood for, for what you're supposed to feel in that moment too. Yeah. Um, but I really, yeah, I, I, you know, Cassie's collection is really good too, but like Bob's bottles just really stuck with me. Like I really, I've, I've totally fell in love with, with Bob Zanotto. Like I was like, I really, really like this person and I deeply want to help Bob now. (laughs) Like it's one of those where it it just, it really makes you empathize with him in a way that's like, God, I feel for this dude. (laughs) I think another really good point to go back to your point on, um, how this game sort of paints mental health differently. Um, when you finish Bob's level, like Bob isn't magically fixed, right? Bob isn't just like, a switch isn't turned off and then you say, Oh, he's good now. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob is still, you know, tr- troubled. Um, and Bob is still struggling. Um, and it's, I think that's one of the places where they do a great job of painting the picture of like, yeah, somebody just doesn't go in your mind and like flip the switch for depression. And now you don't have it anymore. Um, like it, they really do paint that picture of like, okay, like Bob is now certainly on uphill trajectory, um, but like, that's still going to be a, 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 a path, right. That is laid yeah. out in front of him, yep. not just a switch. Um, yep. and I think that's very different from the perspective they had in second one. So yeah. you're, you get the impression that you have helped Bob start on the path. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I like, I, yeah, that whole Bob arc is, yeah, I think that's a great arc too. And that is a fun level again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I like Bob's bottles a lot more than, uh, Cassie's level though, too. Um, at least parts of Cassie's level. There were parts of Cassie's that I liked, but I, I'm going to throw this out here. I have a favorite achievement in this game. Really? 
Uh-huh. Um Wow. I, I got it. And it's one of those where th- the way that it came together, I was like, I bet this is an achievement after I did a thing. And then when I got the achievement, it was the most satisfying thing on the planet. Like I, there was like a really, yes. <laughs> okay. Do you want to, we could cut this dead air out. Can I okay, look at a list yeah. of achievements? Yeah, go for it. Pull up a list and, uh, so we'll see if you can get it. Cause it, it is, it's, uh, and it, it's it's maybe I think my example of the best implementation of of an achievement in a game I've played at least all year for sure, and definitely uh, a model for how to use bonus achievements in a video game because I I laughed out loud when it popped. <laughs> okay, I have the list, uh-huh. and I nothing is jumping out of me. This is this is insane. The only one I can, uh, if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. I'd say objection, throw a judge's gavel back at him. No, but that's a good one too. Um, that's a really good one. Boy, uh, what? It's, it's a secret hmm. achievement. Uh, okay. Do you want me to tell you? I mean, it's got to be this one that I don't think I did, which is break three gramophones in Fatherland Follies. Yes, yes. So okay, I'm not sure. Oh, oh, I broke one of those. Yes. But, um, okay. I don't so, think I found the other two. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened is, <laughs> okay. so in in Fatherland Follies, which is also a great level, uh, oh, yeah, and, and I'll just I'll throw that out there. So the the whole premise of Fatherland Follies is that they have set it up like it's a small world um, yep, at Disneyland, right? Small and, world, yeah. And so they have this theme song oh, running yeah. on loop, which oh, yeah. is very it's a small world feeling. And then I was just poking around because like at that point in the game, I was like, I was vibing on the level. I really liked it. I was like, I'm just going to cruise around these places and just see what I can find. So I found this door that you kind of, I forget how you even have to open it, but it's a yeah. side door that you can completely miss. And I got in there and and there's just this gramophone, uh, the gramophone sitting there on the floor and it's, you know, got the, yeah. got the record turning. And so I just smash it and the music stops yeah. and Raz's reaction immediately is like, ah. Finally, yep. you know, I got like, one of those, but I didn't find the other two. I didn't know there were two others. I apparently found the first one because when I found that one and I smashed it, I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> and then I got into the next part where that's playing again. And I'm like, there's got to be another one in here. Right. And so I looked for it and I found it and I smashed it and he did it again. And I was like, there's an achievement for finding all these. <laughs> there has to be has to be. And so then sure enough, you get into like the tail part of the level and the music's playing again, and I'm like, it's here. I know it's here. And I, I, I can't remember how long I looked for it. I looked for it for a little bit, and I found it. And I hit it, and I, I think he might even say something a little bit different. And then, like, the achievement popped immediately, and I was like, yes. Like, <laughs> wow, this, this is, <laughs> and I'm like, this is – it was perfect. It was one of those where it was like, it is the best example of, like, a true achievement and, like, a true secret achievement and, like, how to use those to, like, elevate gameplay. Because, like, it's the perfect feedback of, like – using like playing with that theme making your character like express what the player should be feeling in that moment and then like yeah. tying it to like i was like oh that's so cool like i so that almost i think in my estimation elevated fatherland follies for me like up onto my list that was too, a where fun I'm like, level that that's was a great a level. level all the grilovia yeah. stuff um, yep yeah i think that's a good level so um yeah and i think you know boss fights in this we kind of talked about that you said i think some of those are kind of hit or miss um you know i 
I think the the boss in Hollis's hot streak was kind of meh. Um, yeah, I well, I think the problem is that, like, I, I think it took me two tries because I died. Because at that point in the game, you don't have much health. Yeah, and so you're not. And I I didn't buy any of the like psypops or whatever because at that point in the game, I was like, mm, I don't need these things. Um, <laughs> narrator, these are, needed, these are for he children. Needed these things. <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah so i didn't have any of those and like you know you're trying to figure out what you have to do and so i got to like very close to the end of that fight and then died and the checkpoint system in this game is a lot better than in psychonauts one mm-hmm. like lots better but on bosses there are none that i found there do not appear to be checkpoints um based on two bosses i guess but um yeah, that was frustrating to just go back to the start. And, and a lot of that boss is just like downtime, essentially, right? From a like from a speedrunning perspective, it's very much like sit and wait. Um, yeah. Like there's not really any ways to speed up that cycle, at least that I know, right? Maybe there's glitches and stuff, but um, there's no casual way to speed up that cycle. So a lot of it is just like wading through the same things over and over again. Um, I'd agree. That boss, I think it was a w- good boss, but... At that point in the game, you're just not strong enough to accidentally beat it, you know. Well, and I think this the same friend that I was referencing earlier who did not care for the game is at uh, all. Did you talk about Compton's Cookoff? Yeah. Yeah, I know you're talking about them. Um, <laughs> um yeah, that was that would be shout the other out one. to shout out to Dan. Hi Dan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that one was like I I that was not a fun boss. Did you, did you have a hard time with it or it was the same thing where like, I didn't have any side pops. I didn't have any dream bluffs because it was still the point in the game where it's like, I don't need these things. Why are they trying to make me buy healing items? Um, and so I didn't have any of those. And the, I got to like 98% completion on that fight and then died like from something dumb. Um, and had to do it all over again. Uh, and that's a long fight. And I almost set down the controller. I was like, mm, maybe I'll come back to this later. It's like, no, I know how to do it. I'm just going to push through it. And did it, you know, without much trouble. But yeah, there's just a lot of things attacking you. There's a lot of things going on. A lot of things you have to jump over and maneuver over. I think I also didn't realize the first time through that I did the second time through, like there was a way to, to be clearing the goo or whatever's on the ground. I, I still can't remember what you were supposed to be doing, but oh. um, see, I never found that. But what I did was I would just kind of tank some of the damage and then you can find healing items there. Like you can pop certain bits of the goo and they yeah. like let out. Uh, well, I was uh, finding healing. the healing items, but there just weren't enough. Well, it wasn't that part, right? It was the part where they dropped enemies in and you're mm-hmm. fighting judges and, um, the flying guys and sensors and all that at once. Um, Oh, you know what it was? Uh, mm -hmm. So I think what the other pin that I had was the one that was like, you can pick up heavy objects faster, or maybe that's just an upgrade. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, And I think I had that at that point. And like, you can, that makes that fight a lot easier because that counts for the judges gavel too. You can just like straight up take it, you know? Yeah. Well, I realized really quick, right. The first time I fought a judge is like, Oh, I'm going to be able to grab that gavel. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, it's like, there's 
probably a more efficient way to fight them, but like a low health way to do it is to, anytime the gavel comes out, you grab it, you throw it at them, and then you just stand back and spam Psy Blasts um, mm-hmm. and press B to dodge books when they throw them, wait for another gavel and repeat. And it takes like a while to beat one, but it's an easy way to cheese them. Or like, if you if you want the cool guys don't look at explosions way to fight the judges, you grab the books that they throw at you and yes, throw you them back at them too. too. I, uh, <laughs> I didn't realize you could do that till later in the game, but yeah. Um, yeah. So to have to to feel safe in that fight because I didn't want to die again. It's like to have to like stand there and cheese an enemy for a minute or two from a distance. Like didn't feel satisfying. Right. It it didn't feel like that boss was very polished. Like it would have taken watching a few people play it and then somebody come up with that strategy and be like, is this boss supposed to take me 20 minutes Um, to be like, ooh, we should probably tweak some of that. But yeah, again, I think that was some of the last stuff they added and they didn't have time or or resources to to tweak the boss fight. So, well, and and yeah, and even the last boss fight, not really that great. Like, um, I, I think the final moment where you're both like a giant, like, because the, the the fight with, um, uh, with um, Maligula. Maligula, thank you. Um, who is, you know, Nona, right? And that, which was, I think, I like that whole, I like the way that that played out too, right? The fact yeah, I that, thought like, that was, a, I thought that was a great plot. Cause when they, when they started the game and they're like, oh, Maligula could be back. And and they were so certain that Maligula was dead. I was trying to figure out, I'm like, okay, well, how are they going to reconcile this? And then making, I I like the fact that they tied Maligula to Nona, that Nona is Maligula, but, but Nona and Maligula are also this character, Lucy, right? Who like, who had this big connection to the original seven was in fact part of the seven, you know, they were actually eight, you know, that whole thing. But then I also like the fact that they tied it into, um, to Raz's family and like the origin of the curse, right? Yeah. The curse the f- too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it just, they really tied a lot of stuff together, um, that they didn't necessarily have to, but I felt like it kind of like pulled together in a, in a pretty satisfying way. The boss fight itself I thought was okay. In fact, that's the only boss fight that I was like, I was probably in danger of dying if I didn't have like dream fluff. Like I did have to use a dream fluff in that fight to not die. Oh, um, I used to dream fluff once somewhere else. I think it was a random place in like Bob's bottles or something where I was trying to like power through and tank some stuff. And then I couldn't. Um, but I, I felt like that fight was not too pro. I, I didn't have much problem there, but I think I was, it's also like, I was clearly overpowered at that point. Like a lot of the powers felt OP at that point. Like, yeah. Know, just time stopper and i had my time stop on like oh i think i used another pin at that point or maybe that was just one of the upgrades of like time the time bubble lasts longer i think that was a pin mm-hmm. um and so you time bubbler and you just wail on her with the powered up fist <laughs> and um yeah and then when she's spinning around you just kind of stand back and side blast until she is able to be yeah so i i think there was a pattern there that because of the how overpowered my character was in certain ways felt kind of easy, but yeah, um, I think it was an okay fight. And then Godzilla, like the Godzilla fight after that was a lot of fun too. 
even though that was only yeah like that was just neat but. that was that was a fun way to end it yeah, yeah. well and I, I think for me the my favorite boss fight in the game was i f- i guess to hear you say to bring it all the way back to the beginning of our conversation to hear you say like they almost didn't have boss fights in this game like i would say for better or worse there are some that work more than others but i still think they're good to have in there like i feel like a lot of the sure. levels might have fallen flat if they didn't have sure that at the end of it um, because even if they're not great mechanically, I do feel like they do a lot of heavy lifting to like bring the theme home. They're, they're mm-hmm. kind of very thematic in that way. Yep. And my favorite boss fight is the one at the end of Bob's bottles where you're fighting his, like you're in his literal storm. Plants. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I thought I, that was a really creative one. I would, I think I liked Cassie's boss, um, better than Cassie's level. Um, yeah, I could see that. I think that was a good boss too. Yeah. I could see that. That that was a fun one. I I felt like that one was over pretty quick, but I feel like it was fun, at least mechanically. To no, I like the whirlpool. I like Bob's. Yeah, I think they were all more or less fine, (laughs) with the exception of those two that uh, that I mentioned. But yeah, they're not they're not as satisfying, I think, as like the rest of the gameplay, right? But I feel like they're good to have there as a tonal shift and a and a change of pace. Well, and I would say right those two bosses that I just mentioned are two of the three times I died in the game. And yeah. Bo- both times I didn't have any way to prevent that from happening. So yeah. Challenge wise, this is not a super challenging game. If you are a, you know, a person who plays a lot of, you know, 3d games, 3d platformers. Uh, yeah. If you've been yeah. playing, yeah, you got that Mario 64, uh, <laughs> better agree. You know, it's fun. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say it's not, there's no challenge, but, um, I also, the completionist aspect also, you know, makes that a lot easier too, because every upgrade I could get, I was getting, I finished it like, what, I don't know, level 85 or something. That's probably about mm. where you're at too. Yeah. Yep. I'm I'm on my way to level 100 because level 100 is an achievement. So yep. we're, yep. we're going to try to get there. <laughs> level uh, 102 is like one of the, there's a side power that you have to be level 102 to get um on the cards it's like oh. it removes all cooldowns so. yes i saw that and i was like oh i gotta get that upgrade and then i saw it was level 102 and i'm like i will have beaten the game by the time i get that upgrade <laughs> yep, for sure that's the point yep. <laughs> exactly well i think i think that's pretty much all i wanted to say about it like spoiler wise or otherwise i mean I, I i really enjoyed it sounds like you did too is there anything we want to like say to to wrap it up at all or just this was a good one yeah i mean yeah if you've, if you've made it through all the spoiler part, hopefully you've already played the game. Um, so I'm not sure what else to tell you. Um, I, even if you listen to all the spoiler stuff and you haven't played the game, go play it. I mean, yeah. I don't, I think there's plenty of stuff we didn't spoil. So, yeah. Um, well, and, and in terms of like a redemption arc for a game, like, I feel like this is like, you know, it's not the psychonauts one is a bad game. I just feel like it's a tough sell in today's environment. <sighs> and I feel like psychonauts two is an easy recommend, right? I Where think it's like, it's, play this one of those interesting places where um, if you've got the time on your hands and especially if you like 3d platformers um, psychonauts two makes a very good case um, for psychonauts one. Like I would say that if you're into 3d platformers and you know that psychonauts one has some rough edges, some pretty rough edges um, I'd play them both. Right. Yeah. Like you could, you could just hop into psychonauts two, but I think Psychonauts 1 is not irredeemable. Um, 
I think it's a fun enough game, especially if you know that you have a better game to get to when you're done with it. Yeah, um, that's a good point. And that's a good point. You know, any time in the past, you didn't have that. You'd just be playing it for the sake of playing it. But yeah. it's rare to have a series where the games get better. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't think about how depressing that is. But wow, yeah. And so markedly so, right? Like just a yeah. clear improvement pretty much across the board. A lot of wow. times you'd be like, well, play the first one. And then I don't know, I guess you can play the sequels. <laughs> and then they but just kind of like, play the first yeah. one, rough, get rough your way through that first one. And then, then you got the cool one to play after that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it for this episode of uh, the missing save file. Um, We uh, with the new format, I think this is what we're going to stick with. So that means uh, we'll be picking what we're doing kind of off the air here. So uh, watch out for our next episode, probably about a month from now. Um, Our theme music was composed by Tombo Fry. You can check out his stuff on his Bandcamp page. Our website is missingsavefile.com. Um, I stream on Twitch. You can find me playing sometimes some of the stuff we're doing for the podcast. A lot of times just other random stuff. I'm at twitch.tv slash itsburnsy. I believe, Paul, you stream on Twitch as well at yep. twitch.tv slash games. Um, you were playing uh, Eastward recently, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, a fun one. Yeah, I... I I may have to play that game because I was watching you play it. and I was like, oh, this does look pretty fun. Like, yeah, um, very Zelda. Yeah. Very, very Zelda. And then there's another game within it that's almost a little earthbound, right? Earthborn. Yeah, it's pretty earthbound. <laughs> it's, 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 it's pretty earthbound. Yeah. So again, twitch.tv slash Paul plays some games. Tell a friend about the show. Uh, leave a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to. Both of those things help us quite a bit. It's particularly telling a friend about the show. Word of mouth is by far the best way that a podcast grows. Yeah, we so need like a, a record scratch in there and then be like, yeah, seriously, you you who are listening do those things that Burns just said. <laughs> Recommend it to one friend. If you can get them into it, uh, they might tell another friend and they might tell I another friend. I mean, family. I always used to jokingly say we, in Hi-Fi Sci-Fi, burn it to a CD and then leave it in like a bus station. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Uh, so until next time, I'm Burnsy. And I'm Paul. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see you at the next save point. I guess nobody has CD drives anymore, huh? No, that's a real problem. <laughs> what is this object? What does it do? Frisbee? <laughs> is this a coaster? Lost alone, neither skin nor bone. Just a thought is all I've got. Now my cover's blown. At the bottom of a lake Of frozen feeling When my friends pulled me back up I started